Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Charles Stuck. Too tall. Wait, he isn't stuck, is he? Thompson. How's it going on this beautiful Friday afternoon, Charlie? Oh, we're just joking about my dad in the in the live. Already talking about your dad. I bet everyone who listens to the podcast thinks that they know your dad. Probably. They should. If you want to get in on the live group, which you should, because we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning here, and we joke about my dad not having any legs, okay? It's it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. I call him Lieutenant Dad. So if you want to hear more personal stories than we already share on the podcast, because everyone's into those. I know, especially Matt Waffle, whatever his name was. <laughs> totally into all the personal stories. Sign up on goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Mr. Mr. Waffles, I think, was the guy's name. <laughs> was it Mr. Waffles? Everyone, I don't remember. Everyone go leave a review on, on Apple Podcasts and tell Mr. Waffles how wrong he is about those personal stories. Mm-hmm. Well, every week we do a segment, every week when we want to, we do a segment called Dumb Bleep of the Week. That's where we finally get to talk about dumb stuff. And then we have finally, all, this. finally, and then we have everyone watching vote on which one of those things was the dumbest. And this is a this is an interesting week. I was telling everyone before the show started. We started this week the first day by talking about natural immunity and how many studies there were out there showing that if you had had a previous COVID infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection. Uh, that there's a lot of data out there showing that you have at least as good of immunity as people who have been vaccinated, if not better, according to some studies. The second day, we talked about the fact that people who are vaccinated still carry the viral load. And in a lot of the cases, a lot of the studies showing that they carry the same amount of viral load as uh, people who are unvaccinated. They're just asymptomatic. And the reason reason we talked about that is because we needed to get some of the truth out there for all of this crazy vaccine conversation going on out there. And then what do you know it just happened to get potentially one of the largest overreaches from the federal government we've seen in at least a year (laughs) Uh, uh, yesterday, and I don't know if it happened during the podcast or if it happened beforehand. Uh, I don't. We didn't talk about. It. We talked about Biden having vaccine mandates for federal workers. We didn't mention anything having to do with anyone in the private sector. And it turns out that was a really big part of yesterday, for sure. So we're going to start with dumb bleep number one. And we normally don't do this. We don't do this with with the obvious ones, and put them in the dumb bleep. But if it were, in fact, to win, uh, it needs to be labeled Dumb Bleep of the Week. And, and then it will be in the running for Dumb Bleep of the Year when we do that. So without any further conversation about Charlie's personal stories, we're just going to run straight into Dumb Bleep number one, which comes from AP News, sweeping new vaccine mandates for around 100 million Americans. This is a pretty big one. And I got a new setup here. I'm trying to show the photos from the articles a little bit bigger when we're actually talking about them. So from That's AP so nice, News. Mr. Producer. There you go. I have a different scene set up for every single picture right now. How so about it's that? already set up. In his most forceful pandemic actions and words, President Joseph R. Biden on Thursday ordered sweeping new federal vaccine requirements for as many as 100 million Americans. 
100 million Americans. Private sector employees as well as healthcare workers and federal contractors in an all-out effort to curb the surge in COVID-19 Delta variant. Speaking at the White House, Biden sharply criticized the tens of millions of Americans who are not yet vaccinated despite the months of availability and incentives. Here's what Joe said, Mr. President. Here's what the president said. Quote, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. He said, all but biting off his words, the unvaccinated minority can cause a lot of damage. And they are. I didn't know he actually, uh, he actually said that. The expansive rules mandated all employers with more than 100 workers require them to be vaccinated or test for the virus weekly. So we do have to say there is that little carve out in there that your employer could test you weekly. And it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing, having people get vaccines or allowing people to opt into the testing side. Are they going to do the same thing for everyone or allow? I don't know what's going to happen. This affects just that, about 80 million Americans and the roughly 17 million workers at health facilities that receive federal Medicare or Medicaid also will have to be fully vaccinated. 17 million workers at health facilities. And just yesterday, we speculated that that (sighs) mandate that he was saying for, for workers, for federal workers, would eventually stretch on to, oh, do you receive government money? Turns out to be true. Turns out, yes. If you work at a health facility that receives Medicare or Medicaid, you will also have to be fully vaccinated. Biden is also requiring vaccination for employees of the executive branch and contractors who do business with the federal government with no option to test out. That covers several million more workers. So that's how we got up to 100 million workers. After months using promotions to drive the vaccination rate, Biden has taken a much firmer Hand and he blames people who have not yet received shots for the sharp rise in cases, killing more than a thousand people per day and imperiling a fragile economic rebound. Oh, before it was Trump's fault. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing started. And now Biden has an outlet. It can't be his fault. It is interesting that once we get up to the same amount of people that died while Trump was in office, while Biden's in office. And we have the vaccine and all kinds of yeah, stuff. The, does that become Joe Biden's deaths, people that he killed? Yeah. Or is it all on Trump because he lied about the virus for a couple of weeks? I don't, I don't know. I assume that's what the response is going to see. He already played out that conversation all the way to what the response is going to be. And let's not forget, folks, that uh, Moderna had their vaccine that they're administering right now. They had it ready. What was that? January twenty third. It was two days after they received a. Two days after they received the the genome sequence from the from the Chinese. Um, Literally two days later, they had the vaccine. You're you're going to find a really really confusing uh, a really uh, a confusing strain of logic here to to run through your head. Now, one, he makes the case that vaccines are very safe and they're extremely effective. In fact, he mentions later on that uh, only one in 160,000 vaccinated individuals were being hospitalized uh, daily. And so there's making the point that if you get the vaccine, you're safe, but also the point that you have to get the vaccine that way vaccinated people are safe. And it's a it's a really interesting contradiction right there, where in all of these things we're going to talk about here for a little bit are going to be that the vaccine makes you totally safe. So why wouldn't you get it? But also people who are vaccinated are at extreme risk of death. 
from people who are unvaccinated. And to me, you can't make those arguments at the same at the same time. And we're going to be talking a little bit about here, a little bit about um, how much chance you have of dying from this if you are vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, versus other things you have a chance of dying from. We'll get to here in the. I'm going to throw a, a wrench in your theory, though. Go ahead, just a little one. Yeah, and that is that uh, when you when you get a virus and you're vaccinated, then the virus will will more quickly mutate because it wants to survive. So mm-hmm. it's going to mutate to figure out a way to to change just enough to where the antibodies you currently have aren't good enough at fighting it anymore, which is why you see. So the Delta variant carries, I, I want to say it was a million times more viral load. I, I would have to check, but it's, it's a significantly higher viral load than the regular COVID. Yeah. I think it's a 300 times, 300, 300 times. times. Yeah. Just a little off yeah. right there. Well, that 300 times equals trillions. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot more of those little tiny viruses. So, so I will. That would be my only caveat. Now, I'm not saying I don't necessarily disagree, but I I will say that that is something that we should look at because what are the chances that people who are vaccinated are carrying a significant viral load, and that all those viruses inside of you are mutating to beat the vaccine, so to speak, to mm-hmm. beat to beat what's what's against it, just like bacteria does that's why you have mrsa mrsa which is methylene resistant staphylococcus aureus meaning that they found ways the the bacteria and viruses find ways to mutate and adapt to their environment so they don't die just like humans do so you're saying if more people got the vaccine then we would have less variants and then overall less death after that well you would yeah it would lead to less people catching the virus because it wouldn't be able to spread as easily yeah um and, and because the unvaccinated obviously are the ones that are that are actually getting sick and, and spreading it. But what about what about the fact that those people have made the choice that they're going to take that risk and what the data we and have? I'm right fine now. with that. I, again, I am completely fine with that. Uh, I I don't necessarily disagree. I just want to throw that wrench in there so that we're honest. Yeah, I just my, we've got 2,500 vaccinated people who have uh, who have died from the virus. And out of a, about 200 million people that are that are vaccinated, and uh, that's pretty good numbers overall. And so what what they're making the case for at one point, and then also destroying unless um, unless you go with the craziness that Charlie's throwing out there right there, this crazy scientific mumbo jumbo that he's that he's spewing all over us. Um, yeah, and, and, the, and the live group is saying, doesn't the virus mutate anyway? Yes, I mean that's what. That's what RNA viruses do. They mutate. Yeah. Which is why there's no cure for HIV and there's no cure for the flu and those different types of things because they, every single year, it's a different strain. It's a different variant. It's a different uh, genetic makeup of that virus. And it's a really important thing, this conversation we had about natural immunity, because they were finding that natural immunity was doing better against variants. Yes. And so we also should be bringing the natural immunity into the conversation. That's a bad part about these mandates is that they're not going to recognize some people are already immunized against it. They didn't have to take a shot, but they're already immunized against this. And so should they also be forced to get the vaccine? Well, and it's really important whether or not you've had it before, because you have to wait at least 90 days because the chances of clotting, forming blood clots, is significantly higher if you take the vaccine too close to actually having the infection. Yeah, because one one of the one of the weird things about COVID is a lot of people think it's lungs and pneumonia, which it is. But the weird thing, and this is this is how a friend of mine died. 
The weird thing about COVID is it elevates your D-dimers. And your D-dimers, when you do a blood, uh, when you do a blood sample, then they when they when they take your blood to the lab, they run what's called a CBC. Uh, some of you medical people might know this. They run a CBC with differential. They have all these different tests. D-dimer is one of the indicators that you have elevated uh, clotting in your blood. You have ele- elevated clotting factors. Okay, and that's the weird thing about COVID, is that it, it is it causes your D-dimers to be elevated, which makes you more susceptible to clots like in your brain and how my friend died is he literally had two strokes. Um, and that's ultimately what killed him along with the, with the pneumonia and everything else. Uh, one thing I was worried about for you, Nate, when you said you were dizzy and everything, I was like, Oh man, I, you know, hope you're not clotting. I would rather you go get checked out, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I forgot where I was going with that, except they, uh, for the fact you were just saying that, that that was a weird thing about COVID and, and that you shouldn't get the vaccine too soon after having yes, COVID. Yes. So that's uh, very important. Yeah. It is. And so I'm paying attention to that date, too. That way I know what date I can officially not get the vaccine because I don't want to. Right. Because now it's because I can't. And I'm looking forward to the day where I cannot get it because I don't want to. <laughs> and I will officially say, you know what? I think that vaccines overall are a good idea. And if you are at risk, I think it's a good idea for you to get the vaccine. I'm not going to freaking do it. I'm going to tell you that right now until the mandates are gone. If the mandates are gone, I'll start talking about it again. Is that a stupid position to have? Probably, on the, as far as health risks go. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to. You drew a line on uh, the sidewalk. There's my line in the sand right there. Unless I need to go to Italy, I'll move my line. That's, <laughs> that's okay. The Another thing that they announced is that they're going to work to increase the supply of virus tests and that they're going to secure concessions from retailers, including Walmart, Amazon, and Kroger, to sell at-home testing kits at cost beginning this week. They are also invoking the Defense Production Act, by the way, to produce more tests for these companies that they've approved, even though they've got about 15, 20 companies sitting there saying that they've got $5, $10 tests that they can start selling, and they're not approving them. We know that because of that poor little company, PRPO, that announced they had $10 COVID tests uh, that they they, uh, couldn't get approval and still haven't got approval, and that was an announcement back in freaking May last year. And they still just are not approved, but they've decided, well, these two companies we've approved that they can do it. And we're going to invoke the Defense Production Act to help that company produce more tests. And then we're also going to help Walmart and Amazon and Kroger sell those at-home testing kits at cost. Now, I think the at-home testing is extremely important. We were talking about this last year. That is a very important thing. If we could all take a test that was very cheap before we went out into a crowd or we went around family members or we went around old people and we were going to take a test to make sure that we didn't have COVID, I think that that would have saved hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And that's why I was so upset about the fact that there were companies coming out with this in April and May last year and they still haven't gotten federal approval. So that's, that's very unfortunate. So the rule will require that large companies provide paid time off for vaccination also. So you got to pay them for the day that they leave. More than 177 million oh, Americans. You missed, the, you missed the one before, though. Which the requirement one? Oh, yeah. for large companies. So yeah. here's the penalty if, per violation. $14,000 per violation if you don't force your people to get uh, vaccinated. Per violation. That's, uh, that's quite a bit. Now, this, there's a lot of people who don't want to get vaccinated. This is actually the first thing I've seen come from the left that was going to benefit small businesses, to tell you the truth. Everything else they do benefits large corporations. And if some people decide that they are going to quit because they don't want to get the vaccine, 
hey, this could end up helping small. Maybe this is a small business initiative. I'm not, I'm not really sure. They are doing this through OSHA, by the way, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Tom, sorry, Tom says they should just make the fine $100 billion. <laughs> <laughs> For, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, no, we they, can do that. We could print some money for that. The thing is they want some of the money. They, they do. They make those fines to where, like, you know, the large corporations can afford some of it because they want some of that money. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny if they would have uh, yeah. you'll get a you'll get a wealth tax for every single violation or that you have if you don't do it we'll start blowing the head off of each cabinet member of <laughs> uh, of your uh board or sorry your board member until it's know. done they might go ahead and let that go through i'm not sure well, i guess <laughs> the board would be against it but hey so they're doing this through osha and once again we have we have a federal bureaucracy a federal agency that is going to be coming over the top of these private businesses and telling them what they can and can't do and finding them for not doing it. This was just found to be unconstitutional by the Supreme Court when it was the CDC doing it with eviction moratoriums. They did in that. I don't think that this is something that would uh, that would actually hold up through the Supreme Court, whether or not they have the ability to do this. And what I want to say is I'm upset about this. I'm not so upset. You know, I expect this kind of thing from politicians. It, it happens a lot, especially uh, it, it, we're getting more and more tyrannical, you know. So I expect this kind of thing. What I'm upset about is everyone who has been okay with these federal agencies existing as long as it didn't bother you. That is what I'm upset about because libertarians have been screaming about this for a long time. And now there's a bunch of Republicans bitching about the federal agencies out there that you just had to have to keep people safe. And this is why we didn't want those agencies because they can eventually do really terrible things like this. You can't open the door for the, for the government to do it just because they didn't do it the year that OSHA started in 1970 doesn't mean that they're not going to do it later on. And everyone who was okay with these agencies existing over the last 50 years are the ones who are complicit in this entire thing happening. And it's not just about getting mad at Biden or getting mad at the administration. Take some responsibility. Trump didn't get rid of OSHA. Bush didn't get rid of OSHA. Bush didn't get rid of OSHA. <laughs> and Reagan. Reagan didn't either. And this was all started by Nixon. So take some responsibility and realize where you've gone wrong, which is being okay with the federal government having power as long as it didn't affect your life. All right. That is what I'm upset about. You have to get rid of these unelected bureaucrats because they should not have this much power. And now you're red. Now I am red. That <laughs> is uh, that is dumb leap number one is this vaccine mandate. We probably don't have to go into anything else. But I, this next one is actually attached to this. I had to. This is all part of dumb leap number one. This goes along with the vaccine mandates. This is how Twitter. Oh, sorry. It, I had numbered it, too. I was oh, trying to you? number them. Oh, yeah. This is this is how Twitter uh, explained to me what was going on right here. So when I went to look at the news, I clicked on news and the, the mandates was, were the number one thing this morning. And so here's how this reads. Now, remember, uh, this is going to affect 100 million people that are currently employed by large businesses or the government or in the healthcare sector. Here's the headline. Biden unveils vaccine mandate for federal employees and other workers to reduce spread of the Delta variant. I'll read that again. He unveils vaccine mandate for federal employees and other workers. Now, the and other workers encompasses about 80 million people or about 97, including the healthcare Which workers. Which is exactly what we talked about yesterday. Yeah. What I'm upset about is they didn't say 
Biden unveils vaccine mandate plan for anyone who works for a large corporation. They said it's for federal employees and other workers. And everyone's like, ah, well, I'm not a not a federal employee. And then down here, they they once again go down and, and tell everyone about how it's for businesses that are more than 100 employees. That was just a, a little bit of minimization of what was going on. I wonder if that was planned. Charlie's going to tell us about the uh, the freedom and liberty side of this with Dumbleep number two. Okay, from MarketWatch. Uh, millions are dying unnecessarily from COVID because of selfishness, greed, and a perverse misunderstanding of human freedom. That's, yeah. And now it's an opinion piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does say opinion. Okay. Start with the upsurge of COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in the U S serves as a bitter reminder that the pandemic is not over. A key part is a deep misinterpretation, especially among the right of individual liberty. Those who refuse to wear masks or socially distance often argue that requirements to do so infringe on their freedom. But one person's freedom is another person's unfreedom. <laughs> I didn't know that was a word till now. It's an unfreedom. If their refusal to wear a mask or get vaccinated results in others getting COVID-19, their behavior in, is denying others the more fundamental right to life itself. In a pandemic, one person's actions affect the well-being of others and whenever there are such externalities, the well-being of society requires collective action, regulations to restrict uh, socially harmful behavior, and to promote socially beneficial behavior. We're well, all we're all a collective. See, your your individualism. Well, that that gets in the way of the collective. You have no freedom to kill others. And yeah. Now I don't. I'm gonna I'm throw another wrench in here. I don't necessarily disagree with this wholeheartedly. Well, they're they're conflating a couple. Th- I know what you're. I know what yes. you're going to say. Like you don't have the freedom to kill others. You don't. And we talked. You know, right when the pandemic started, we talked about whether or not it was libertarian for you to know that you had COVID, and then go out into public knowing that you could infect other people. And the answer to that's no. And I think the answer is no to that. If you know that you are sick with something, just like if it's the flu, if you got AIDS, anything like that and you know that you're going to go out there and, and potentially go kill someone else, I think you should should try to not be around anyone else. Okay? That, that, I just think that that's a good idea. Now, is that the same thing as like picking up a gun and shooting someone? It's not exactly the same thing because incurring a risk, a small percentage risk. It's the same thing as randomly shooting a gun in different places and not the, knowing where the yeah, bullet's going to end like up it's, and killing someone. You're responsible for like that. It's like not having a level on your gun exactly. when you shoot it straight up in the air. That's a, That would basically be the same thing because you don't know for sure you're going to kill someone, and uh, but you might. And if you do kill someone, then then that would be bad for sure. Uh, so, yeah, that, that would make sense. But... When you don't even know if you're, if you don't know that you're sick, if you feel healthy and you go out and you might be carrying something, you have no idea that you have it. Um, is, is that the same thing as firing a gun towards a crowd? Maybe not. I would say that we would all have to never go anywhere anytime ever for the rest right. of our lives. You couldn't if do you're going to say yes, then that is the response that you would have to have is that none of us can ever go anywhere again. Because there could be a lot of things. But is there things. some responsibility to, to test yourself? If the government would allow people to sell the test, I think that that would be a good one. Yeah. For instance, if you have you know multiple sexual partners, let's say, is it is it your responsibility to get tested and make sure you're not passing around HIV? You know, I, I feel like there, there should be some responsibility, at least for libertarians. I'm not saying it needs to be government mandated. Hang on. It's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying, should you take some personal responsibility? Do you have a moral responsibility do a, to yeah, do it? Do you have a moral obligation uh, to yourself to to do that, uh, to make sure that you're not harming someone else in the process? I, I would say yes. I, I, again, I don't think it should be government mandated. Those things are t- very, very, very different Yeah, between personal responsibility and government mandates. Just because I think it's what you should do morally doesn't mean it's what someone else thinks. But I've always said your rights do end where another's begin. I can't, I can't know I have COVID and cough in your face and then you die a week later and then be absolved from all you know, fault. Yeah. And now legally this presents a problem because you'd never be able to prove fault in this case if you were, if you were out in public. Yeah, that, but if you're a decent human being, you should feel real guilty yeah. about it. Have you ever gone out in public without a mask on? I have, yeah. Yeah. Did you know for sure that you weren't carrying the virus? Um, for the most part. Yeah. So I would, I would, I could say no, I, or I would have to say no. You'd have to I say no for sure every time. Yeah. So well, that's like, uh, that's like attempted murder almost. <laughs> Basically. You might've killed several people. All right. There's no freedom to kill others. So this is, this is kind of what we were getting at any, but, but the way they, the, the way that the, where we disagree and why this is a dumb bleep is because they, they come at it from a, a perspective of the collective. Yeah. They're right? also about to edit the Ten Commandments. Okay. Here in a sec. Really? Yeah. Any ordered society entails restrictions. But while prohibitions against killing killing, stealing, and so so on restrict an individual's freedom, except for abortion. We're fine with killing people there. <laughs> you know, we, I was thinking uh, <laughs> if I were I wasn't writing, here for your abortion talk. If I were writing you did that on purpose for the Babylon Bee. I would I would write an article headline entitled something like Texas legislature uh, changes abortion law to eviction moratorium. <laughs> Since you're you're on the evictionist yeah. side of the theory, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. We all understand the society could not function without them, without those restrictions. In our post-COVID world, we might interpret the Ten Commandments to include "Thou shall not kill," including by spreading infectious diseases when thou can avoid doing so. <laughs> now, this stems back to the fact that people who are vaccinated and have no symptoms can still carry the same viral load that people who are unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. All right. In most of the world, however, the problem is not resistance to vaccination, but a severe shortage of vaccines. <laughs> you skipped over the edit of the Ten Commandments. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Similarly, thou shall get vaccinated and infri- uh, any infringement on an individual's liberty by requiring safe and highly effective COVID-19 vaccination pales in comparison to the social benefits and, conse- uh, and consequent economic benefits of public health. In most of the world, however, the problem is not resistance to vaccination, but a severe shortage of vaccines. Evidently, the private sector is unable to scale up production to ensure an adequate supply. That's Is that really the case? Yeah, the problem is that they're not scaling up production and giving away their product. That's, uh, that's what's wrong. Or that they're not getting approval. Yeah for their product is that because vaccine producers lack capital is there a shortage of glass vials or syringes or is it because they hope that fewer doses will lead to higher prices and even bigger profits that's what it is they're trying to keep vaccines off the market so they can get bigger profits off of vaccines that is not even set at a market price in the first Mm -hmm. place because how much did you pay for your vaccine taxes yeah (laughs) Taxes are the answer. They're of, not even set at the market price in the first place. A lot of taxes. Yeah, that, that's what you know that paying. Now, what really bothers me from this is that going back to our conversation where we were talking about, well, you're going to go out there and put people's lives at risk, so you should take a 
Now, Charlie thinks that we should take a test before we leave our house because any of us could be carrying anything at any given time. So we have to take a test uh, before we leave our house. I'm going to stick to this analogy and no one's going to move me off of it because several people have tried. Anyone who gets in a car and drives it down the road is putting way more people at risk than anyone who is going around without a mask or who is unvaccinated. You are putting people's lives in much more risk every time you do that. Now, the numbers and on the chances of that, you know, I was actually looking at the likelihood that you're going to have a car wreck, that you're going to die in a car wreck in your life. The, the odds are one in 107. Now, that doesn't mean that one out of every 107 people die in a car wreck. That means that your odds when you go out in your car every day for the rest of your life are one in 107. And you might not ever have one because you've got a 0.9% chance of that ever happening. But it does happen to a lot of people. 38,000 people die every year in car accidents. And that's so, just one state, though. No, that's 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 Is 30, that nationwide. Yeah, that's nationwide. 40,000. Yeah, right around 40,000. And now uh, sounds like the flu numbers. Now, what people will say to that as well, we have seatbelt mandates and uh, OK, well, I don't like those either. So let's get rid of those. And those are meant to protect you, not other people. So that doesn't make any sense. You're still getting in a in a machine that weighs a couple thousand pounds and driving it at 80 miles an hour down a piece of concrete that, that the government put down. And uh, and you're putting people's lives at risk every single time you get in your car. It's full of bottles. Now You're going to try not to have a wreck out of self-interest more more than likely. But you're going to try not to have a wreck. But I'm just saying, if you've ever looked down at your phone while you were driving, then you're just as dangerous to, to people in the public as someone who's going around that's unvaccinated. Because what we're still focusing on are case numbers, not just the deaths. And the case numbers might be high, but the deaths are not as high as they have been. And especially if you are vaccinated, the actual amount of people that are dying is very, very low that are vaccinated, very low. In fact, much lower than the chance of dying in a car accident. Much, much lower if you are vaccinated. Statistically negligible. Yes. Statistically and, zero. In fact, the next article we're going to run through here in just a sec, this is not a dumb bleep. I wanted to uh, add this on to what Charlie was reading. This is called One in 5,000. This is from the New York Times, of all people, three days ago, talking hmm. about how if you're vaccinated, you don't need to worry about COVID. I don't believe it until you read it. From the New York Times. The CDC reported a terrifying fact in July. Vaccinated people with the Delta variant carried roughly the same viral load in their noses and throats as unvaccinated people. See, I wasn't making that up back on Wednesday. It's in the New York Times. <laughs> the news seemed to suggest that even the vaccinated were highly vulnerable to getting infected and passing the virus to others. Sure enough, stories about vaccinated people getting COVID, so-called breakthrough infections, were all around this summer. Now, why this is important to everyone, by the way, is that when we are in an element, when we are in a world where you can make the choice to be statistically safe from COVID or still technically statistically safe from COVID, but less safe than, than other people. When we are in the world where the, the safety is a choice as to whether or not you want to get the vaccine, then the government, they never do, but the government especially does not need to come in and mandate things because most of the people that are dying, like 99.5% of the people that are dying, are people who are unvaccinated and who have made that choice to not get the vaccine because they were going to take the risk. And so this is uh, some really good. These are some really good thoughts on that. Yes, Delta has increased the chances of getting COVID for almost everyone. But if you're vaccinated, the COVID infection is still uncommon. And those high viral loads are not as worrisome as they initially sounded. 
How small are the chances of the average vaccinated American contracting COVID? About 1 in 5,000 per day. And even lower for people who take precautions or live in a highly vaccinated community. Quote from Dr. Ashish, is that Ja? I think, Ashish Ja will say, there's been a lot of miscommunication about what the risks really are to vaccinated people and how vaccinated people should be thinking about their lives. Remember, Biden was up there yesterday blaming all of this danger on people who are unvaccinated, and we have to protect people that are vaccinated. Now, you would think the vaccine would protect people who are vaccinated. That would be the argument I would make if I wanted a lot of people to get the vaccine, is that if vaccinated people need to be, oh, wait, they got the vaccine. They're protected. That's what it's for. And so they're, they're pretty protected. But no, we have to make the argument that vaccinated people need to be protected from the unvaccinated people who might give them the disease that they are vaccinated They're just turning against. them into zombies. And we need to make sure that they're not clogging up the hospital systems because we need enough room for the vaccinated people to use the hospital systems when they get COVID. That's a really great argument right there. really makes me think that I need to go get the vaccine. In reality, the risks of getting any version of the virus remain small for the vaccinated. The risks of getting badly sick remain minuscule. He says, I will confess to one bit of hesitation about walking you through the data on breakthrough infections. It's not clear how much we should be worrying about them for the, vac- for the vaccinated. COVID resembles the flu and usually a mild one. Society does not grind to a halt over the flu. This is in the New York Times. And I can attest to that with mine. I Literally for three days, I kind of felt like I had the flu. Yeah. And that was it. I and literally tested negative at like day five. That's impressive. I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have felt the same. In Seattle, if there only there was a way for me to do that. In Seattle, <laughs> on an average recent day, one out of every one million vaccinated residents have been admitted to a hospital with COVID symptoms. That risk is so close to zero that the human mind can't easily process it. My best attempt is to say that the COVID risks for most vaccinated people are the same order of magnitude as risks that people unthinkingly accept every day, like riding in a vehicle. How about that? And that is the part that gets really annoying to me is that once you are vaccinated, like what this guy just said, your risks of dying from COVID become less than the risk of driving a car or riding in a car. But we've decided that there are some risks that we're going to accept in life and some that we're not going to accept. Conveniently, this one allows for all types of government mandates and trillions of dollars worth of spending and transforming the economy into a socialist hellhole. Conveniently, this is the one that we can't accept. And so we must do all of these things to stop it from happening. And at the very beginning that this started, who was the congressman that said, never let a good crisis go to waste? <sighs> uh, that was um, that was the dude that was in the Obama administration a little while back. I can't remember exactly what he Eric was. Holder? Oh, there was the, yeah, th- there Eric? was the other guy that said that too. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, you're right about that. Well, and so, that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking uh, something that they can scare everyone with and using it to their benefit. Rahm Emanuel. Yeah, Rob, yeah, Rob Emanuel. That's who it was, Chicago, man. Yeah, that's right. So this is a weird dumb bleat for us, by the way, because normally we just go through Twitter screenshots and we're not going through articles. But this was such a big news day that we had to cover some of this stuff. And so just Joe, to, Joe said that you ghost wrote that op-ed in the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, uh, just to recap, everyone, we've only made it through two dumb bleeps. One of them is the vaccine mandates uh, for anyone who works for an employee, an employer that has over 100 employees. And basically everyone. Yeah. Number two is this this uh, fear piece about millions of people dying unnecessarily from COVID because now there's four million people total that have died from COVID. Millions of people are dying unnecessarily from COVID because of selfishness, greed and a misunderstanding of human freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're getting to 
Number three, which some of you guys have talked about, I was going to point out that uh, Amanda and Maurice talked about this on their podcast, Civil Discord, already, and it was already in the Dumb Bleep stack, but this is an article from the Rolling Stone that they have issued a correction on, but I did have a screenshot of their original title here. All right. Gunshot victims left waiting as horse dewormer overdoses overwhelm Oklahoma hospital, (laughs) doctor says. The rise in people using Allen Iverson Mectin, an antiparasitic drug usually reserved for deworming horses or livestock now uh, in in the United States. That's what, see, they didn't finish that. I would rate this half true if I was checking (laughs) missing context missing context because the rest of the world still uses it as a treatment or preventative for COVID-19 as emergency rooms so backed up that gunshot victims are having hard times getting access to health facilities an emergency room doctor in Oklahoma said this week Dr. Jason McAuley McAuley I want while you're struggling with McAuley I want to tell everyone the the photo for this article now, remember, they said gunshot victims are waiting because so many people are in the hospital with ivermectin, and there's a line of people outside the door of something. We don't even know if it's a hospital. None of them are gunshot victims, by the way. This is just a line of people that are waiting. Yeah. That's that's it. This is not a picture of a hospital where, and these are gunshot victims, and they're waiting for them to clear out the ivermectin wing or anything like that. <laughs> so the, this article is becoming even more false. Yeah. He told KFOR the overdoses are causing backlogs in rural hospitals, leaving both beds and ambulance services scarce. The ERs are so backed up that gunshot victims are having hard times getting to facilities where they can get definitive care and be treated. Now, um, so I, I put in the correction in here, but that's a, it's a ridiculous piece of nonsense. Here's the update. One hospital has denied... This doctor's claim that ivermectin overdoses are causing emergency room backlogs and delays in medical care in rural Oklahoma. And Rolling Stone has been unable to independently verify any such cases as of the time of this update. If they would, if they just would have tried to verify such cases before posting a widely shared article about how this was happening in yep. Oklahoma. It's just literally print whatever you want. Yeah, but now they can... Release an update inside of the original article. Used to in journalism, you would you would try to get at least two verified sources before you printed something that you knew would be false. And now they just don't give a shit. Yeah, and, I'll just uh, put whatever I want out there. Joe said it's one hospital denying it, and it was the hospital that they had claimed they were having the issues with. And also, I saw through the group here, the picture was a line for vaccines, and they were all wearing winter clothing. And it is it is currently. Super hot in Oklahoma. It's probably not a current picture of gunshot victims waiting in line outside of an Oklahoma hospital. So that's pretty dumb. Yeah, it's that's pretty dumb. And that's stumbling number three. No, they literally disprove the whole thing. Like they make the case for why what they printed wasn't true. Oh yeah, I'm gonna continue here. Why didn't they do this beforehand? No, they just essentially say that oh, those numbers aren't really possible. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, what we printed. Actually, since we took two times to think about it, it's uh, two minutes to think about it, it's actually not possible that that would happen because there haven't been enough ivermectin overdoses <laughs> for oh, that here, to be the case. Uh, following widespread publication of his statements, one hospital that, that, that the doctor's group serves, uh, the Sequoia, said its ER has not treated any ivermectin overdoses and that it has not had to turn away anyone seeking care. This and other hospitals that the doctor's group serves did not respond to requests for comment 
And the doctor has not responded to requests for further comment. We will update if we receive more information. So yep. Some journalists found some doctor's name and was like, I'm just going to write this article because I think people taking ivermectin is stupid. Now, you can have an opinion thinking that people taking ivermectin is stupid, but don't try to create an entire narrative that something's actually happening just to fear monger people out of taking ivermectin. Well, see, and this is what they do when they can't verify something, but they still want to print the story. The headline, the article said that gunshot victims are left waiting. Doctor says. So that absolves them of any, now the doctor is the liar. But the report is this doctor said this. And so they're not printing misinformation because it is in fact true that this doctor said this. And so it's a true story about a doctor saying something. And that, that's how they get around it. Anytime you say this person says that this is happening, then it hasn't been verified. It is a story about someone else claiming that something happened. And then they'll wait for it to get shared 500,000 times, have a million views, and then they'll issue a correction. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry. So. Um, the next one, it really starts to get kind of ridiculous here. This is dumb bleep oh, number four? This is dumb bleep number four. And I think I'll start with the, uh, we'll start with the the bottom pyramid down here. Now Google put this on display for everyone. Google was hosting this uh, this seminar. Uh, the a couple of the guest speakers were Ibram X. Kendi, Nicole Hannah Jones, and they're just explaining how we're all living in this system of white supremacy. And and here's how you know that you're in this system of white supremacy. And these are the ways. And in this first pyramid here. It moves like wider at the bottom and it starts to get a little smaller at the top, kind of. They just put a pyramid inside of a bunch of words. So at the bottom, these are all forms of covert white supremacy and they're socially acceptable. All of these things are, remember, because everything is white supremacy. Every, every part of our culture is, is covert white supremacy or there's overt white supremacy. So the, these things are actually socially unacceptable and are things that basically everyone would disagree with. Here are some of the things at the very bottom of the... Now, it, if you hear these things or you think these things, then you are actually participating in covert white supremacy. Um, expecting, uh, expecting people of color to teach white people. There's, a, there's part of it. Uh, believing, that, um, believing that there's only one human race or that we're all one big human family. That's part of covert white supremacy. Um, let's see, self-appointed white ally, uh, police brutality. I don't know what, I mean, that, I don't like police brutality. That doesn't really seem like a thing. Um, as we start moving up, you start moving into things that are a little different, like racial profiling. Uh, towards denial the, of white yeah, privilege. Denial of white privilege is pretty far up on this pyramid leading towards overt white supremacy. Make America great again is above that. Okay, blaming the victim is a thing. We got racist mascots on here. Hopefully the Washington football team loses all of their games this year because I you know, not not because I don't like their name, it's because I I want the Cowboys to win the division which should be pretty easy. Uh let's see. Uh tone policing, discriminatory lending, spiritual bypassing, white savior complex. <laughs> okay, white savior white silence is right before using racial slurs. Right, right before being a member of the KKK, 
or using racial slurs or being the neo-Nazi is white silence. Just before it, it's way far up there, really far away from expecting people of color to teach white people. All you racist white introverts out there, you better speak up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the next one, they, they actually name out a few people on here. And it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. At the bottom of the pyramid is All Lives Matter. Well, you forgot that, uh, you know, right here in this top mix here where you're the ultimate racist, uh, blackface is in there. Oh, so, okay. So the governor from Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right up there with the KKK, burning crosses, the N-word, right blackface. Right up there with Justin Trudeau, too. Yeah. All Swastikas, right. racist jokes. <laughs> you can't joke about anything. The bottom, the bottom of this next pyramid, they want to, this is the white supremacy pyramid. And at the bottom, it starts from normalization, and then it goes up to the top towards mass genocide. That's what's at the top of it. Now, uh, correctly, mass murder is at the top of genocide, so they're, they're pretty white about that. Pretty right about that. That was the Freudian slip right there. Oh, yeah. Indifference. <laughs> Indifference. Here's the bottom of the normalization to genocide pyramid. All lives matter. That's that's the bottom of the pyramid. That's how you start. There is, are two sides to every story. Oh, saying that there's two sides to every story. What? Okay. Apolitical beliefs. If you're just someone who's apolitical, you're actually at the bottom of the white supremacy pyramid. You made it on the pyramid. Avoiding confrontation. I'm the most racist person you guys know. <laughs> uh, politics don't affect me. This is all indifference. The next one has a picture of Ben Shapiro. The next level up. Over to the right of it, minimalization. Not all white people are bad. Not believing POC experiences. The denial of white privilege. We're in a post-racist society. Okay, intentions are greater than the impact. So your intentions don't matter. Even if you were the least racist person in the entire world and your intention was to make sure that a person of color never had a bad day for the rest of their lives because of anyone that, even if there's a negative impact, it's actually pretty bad. The next one is veiled racism. Okay. Victim blaming, racist jokes, Eurocentric curriculum, <laughs> uh, racist icons. Well, that could be anyone. That's anyone else. The next one up is got Donald Trump pictured next to it. Racial profiling, mass incarceration, racial slurs, fear of people of color, anti-immigration policies. Now that's actually pretty racist too. And then you actually get up into calls for violence, the KKK, neo-Nazis, burning crosses, and then violence like lynching and hate crimes and police brutality. I would just say crimes. I wouldn't have to say hate crimes. Uh, crimes would be bad if you were doing them because of a person's race, of course. But this is um this is fairly ridiculous. That even things like like being apolitical gets you on the white supremacy pyramid. Literally, everyone's racist. That's what it is. Especially, I mean, obviously, if you're white, we all know that that, that you're racist and you're a white supremacist. And uh, Ibram X Kendi and Nicole Hannah Jones are here to tell you about it. And everyone at Google, which is a fairly big company that has a lot of power in the world. So anyway, that's dumb bleep number four. Is the white supremacist pyramids of greatness. <laughs> yeah. We know Joe Biden's <clears throat> definitely one. Uh, yeah, you know? of course. I think, uh, like the, you're so articulate. He's literally, he literally said, said that he literally said that. Yeah. That poor kids are just as smart and talented as white kids. <laughs> so that's literally the same thing. 
And if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So that was number four. And now we have, you know, we can probably skip the next one and, and go to one of the others since we've been going for a bit now. And we still have three more right now. So that's going to be kind of tough. Right. I wanted to get a, I wanted to get to more, an economic conversation for a second and not so much, uh, I don't know, not so much freaking COVID stuff. So this is dumb bleep number five? Um, yes, dumb bleep number five. Uh, start with the top here. Yes. Okay. So this is from Chris X. Rent is extortion, but not theft. If you're living in a residence someone else is paying to maintain and pay property taxes on, you should be paying something for this service. If you are living in government housing, it's theft that's preventing you from moving ahead in life. Somebody replies, okay, how is it extortion? They reply, how much landlords ask from renters is often outrageous. Rent doesn't typically get calculated by what the property expenses are, but how much other properties are being rented for in the area. So big rental companies set the market more often than not. That's extortion. That is extortion. And what was interesting in this one is what she's making the case for is what we call cost plus legislation, which two good industries that the, the government has instituted a lot of cost plus in would be uh, the military and anything that we pay for for the military and healthcare things that get paid for in healthcare. What you say is cost plus it, whatever the cost is of this item, you can only get paid that cost plus a percentage on top of that. And this person thinks that that would be better for rent. But then what are the incentives after that? The incentive is to make sure that the property costs as much as possible. Uh, do you need a new air conditioning unit? Let's get the most expensive one that we possibly can because I make a percentage on top of whatever the expenses are. And so I want the expenses to be as high as they can possibly be. So you're setting up a really terrible incentive process right here. And this person seemed pretty, you know, they think that living in government housing is theft. So they're, they're more on the, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a, like a socialist or anything. Mm. So they think that that's socialist, but I don't know. Do you think that that would make things better? Just your rent based on what the costs are? No. No, because then again, you would make the costs as high as you possibly could. Everything would be cheaper because the costs are what they are. You know, they don't don't change. I had this argument with somebody the other day that was saying, oh, well, you know, the landlords, the reason why they're, they're parasites on society is because, you know, they don't just charge what the you know, the mortgage and, and what the cost to maintain the property is. They charge way more than that. And they're making all these profits off of people who can't, af- who can't get loans from the bank. And then they have no equity in the house. Like he's like, imagine if I, you know, sold you a car for $400 a month. And after five years, you don't have so much as an ashtray. And I'm like, people rent cars all the time without getting equity in their cars. Yeah. It's called Avis or budget people or lease, national people lease vehicles all the time. Yeah. You can lease a vehicle, all kinds of things. If you're someone who's going to get a, a new car, as soon as your loan payment is finished, then you need to just lease vehicles that that's, that's what you need to do because you always have a newer vehicle, unless you drive a lot of miles. I would have leased one if I didn't drive so many freaking miles. Yeah. For the, sure. The incentive for landlords is to buy and maintain property and make a profit. Otherwise they wouldn't do it. Yeah, there would be then, then you wouldn't have anything to rent. How about that? There would be there would be nowhere to live. That's the conversation the, the, I had. The, the that, reason why that landlords are not parasites is because, and this is what I was trying to tell this guy. Uh, I would tell this girl the same thing. Is like, look, if the like you said, the air conditioning goes out, that's on the landlord. You know, there's a hole in the floor, that's on the landlord. Refrigerator goes out, that's on the landlord. It, 
anything that happens, that a tree falls on the roof, that's on the landlord. All you get, all you have to do is pay rent. And what do you get in return? Somewhere to live. Yeah. That's maintained by someone else. That's what you're paying the premium for. Right. And if you, like you said, if you take away the profit incentive from it, if you take away the market pricing, uh, then you don't have people coming into that market to build more properties. And then you just run out of houses. And then the prices really skyrocket after that. Yeah. You can't get any more after that because you need people with capital to come in and build houses or buy other houses so those houses can be on the market. And as the price goes up, people will be incentivized to come into that market. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to make sure the prices skyrocket so fast due to regulations and, and all sorts of other incentives that end up bringing too many people into that market with those really high prices because eventually they can deflate pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and, and not that I agree with this government program, but they also said that it was, it's impossible for some people to, get it, to buy a house because of predatory lending and all this stuff. It's like you, they really have a first-time home buyer's where you can get a house with literally no money down. Yeah, if you don't have money, I mean, they'll charge you PMI on it. Yeah. It's, uh, you can still but for the cost one. of rent, you can still buy your own house. And here's the thing. With no money down. If you're and the, you need a credit score of about negative 40, and they'll still give it to you. What <laughs> people need to realize is that if you're in the position where you can't put money down on the house or you can't get a mortgage, you probably don't need to get a mortgage. Like you, maybe you need to be renting for a while and make more money than that because yeah, the people lending you money are trying to see if you're going to be able to pay them for the next 20, 30 years. That's, that's what they're looking at. And if you're not someone who's stable enough to pay them for the next 30 years, then why would they give you the money? They can't assume that you're going to make better life choices starting from right now. And so of course, and this actually leads perfectly into the last dumb bleep. I just wanted to cover a couple property rights issues right here and just a little bit of craziness on the economic side starts with a meme that i saw posted into a libertarian group on facebook give a man a gun and he can rob a bank give a man a bank and he can rob the world all right so one more time give a man a gun he can rob a bank give a man a bank and he can rob the world and so someone said it's not really robbing the world they aren't forcing you to take loans that's all on you and the person responded with, yes, they do. It's called a mortgage. So remember, the first, port, the first point was they're not robbing you. They're not forcing you to take loans. They said, yes, they do. It's called a mortgage. So they say, or you could save until you can buy a house. And they said, well, that's not reality. Have you seen the price of houses these days? So let's get this. Let me just get this right real quick. Banks are robbing you because they will take money that you don't have that other people have put in the bank and buy something that you can't afford and then allow you to pay them off over several years. And that's robbing you. How does the bank have anything to do with it? They're the ones that's giving you money that you don't have to buy something you can't afford. Yeah. But banks are robbing the world somehow. This, I'm just trying to wrap this all up in my mind right now. I don't, I'm, I'm constantly surprised that um, that people's brains can go to these places. Okay. So I think the re I think the reason why is because we, we've now surpassed a couple generations where people legitimately grow up thinking like, Oh, it's just kind of what you do. Like, Oh, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a job, then you get a mortgage for a house and they don't understand how any of it works. Yeah. They just know like, this is what you do. And so then when they start actually having some critical thinking skills, they start thinking like, Oh my God, this bank is charging me this much money for, for this. That's, that's robbery. That's ridiculous. 
and they don't actually think about they they stop their critical thinking there so really it's just it's thinking it's not critical thinking <laughs> they just they have these thoughts that pop up in their mind and that's how they feel and then they go tell the world about mm -hmm. how they feel like well this is of course robbery right because i had to have this mortgage that's what that's what you do right you, you go get to a school mortgage. you go to college then you get a mortgage that's what you have to have a mortgage to have a house it, without realizing okay why does that mortgage exist in the first place well, because houses are really expensive. God, this and this this all brings it. This all brings the the rooster home to the chickens. Okay, when we think about human progress and how far we've actually come, and the fact that people are complaining, literally complaining, that, that an organization is willing to purchase something so far out of your price range, and at four percent interest on your money to just make monthly payments and for thirty years. They're going to trust you for 30 years <laughs> and to, to just how wild and that you just expect somebody to give you a house and like give you a mortgage, give you a, a means to purchase something. Of course, houses are expensive. They've always been expensive. They're huge dwellings now we can with be lots of amenities. Like you, you have bedrooms and living rooms and kitchens and all kinds of amazing things. Like you got all kinds of crazy space wires running through the walls. Yes. I was just having a conversation with my buddy John yesterday about all these crazy things I'm going to set up so that, you know, we can set, have a smart home. Yeah. Like think about how far we've come as a people and you're complaining uh, that, that this is even the fact that you should be what you should be complaining about is the fact that this is even possible anyway. <laughs> well, if any, that should be blowing your mind. If anything, we can complain about, the pricing of the houses on the part that is not part of a free market because houses could be a lot cheaper if not for all the things that they had to go through. I mean, not even counting things like, well, we'll count things like tariffs on all the materials that are going into the house mm -hmm. and all the regulations, all the, all the, the unions, steps that you have to go the, through for the labor, the, all of those things that you have to go the through codes. The, the vaccines for the drywallers. There's all sorts of things that you have to go through. And of course the houses are more expensive. And in fact, uh, the mortgages are probably available to too many people. And if they actually had higher interest rates, then the prices on the houses would come down because less people get the mortgages, which would allow less money flooding into that market, and the prices of the houses would have to go down. Yeah. Sounds like college. To or me. save up the money to pay someone to build a house or learn how to build a house. <laughs> that's that's where and, your actual right is. Yeah, and then go out and build a house if you want to. It turns out building houses are pretty complicated. And it's like, it's it's a lot. To build a decent house. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, you I'm sure building. I'm sure you could probably. Most people can probably figure out how to build a log cabin. That's what <laughs> most people live with a dirt floor. By I saw the way. This, this big building going in close to my house, and there were so many lines going in before they put the before they laid the foundation. And I was like, do you know how much coordination has to happen before they even put the the foundation down for the house? Like, imagine you get the house almost done. You're like, oh shit, I forgot to put that line down. I was supposed to go directly <laughs> under the house. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. Like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to that. Oh, well, well, I got to start over. Yeah. <laughs> Take it apart. Tear it down. Let's go. All right, let's get these votes in. I know that this was a complicated dumb bleep, and this is not what we normally do, but uh, this situation for dumb bleep number one was so serious. And I like a few people were saying in the group, um, it, this is uh, not as funny of a dumb bleep to me this, because I feel a little heavy-hearted about the vaccine mandates. Um, I'm really just more upset about it. And like I said, I'm more upset uh, about the people that have been okay with giving the government this much power for so long. And that goes for a lot of people on the right who have been totally fine with your guy having power. 
uh, for all this time. And now some of the agencies that we just had to have are coming around and screwing you and you don't like it. All right. So number one, vaccine mandates from Biden. Number two, millions dying from selfishness, greed, and human freedom from Market Watch. Uh, number three was the Rolling Stones, Allen Iverson Mecton piece. Number four is the white supremacy pyramids of greatness. That's number four. And, uh, n- number five is that, uh, we need to do rent based on cost plus because that's made everything else cheaper. And number six is that banks are robbing you because you have to get a mortgage to buy a house. Get your votes in. I'm, I'm fixing to put my vote in. I'm betting everyone is going to go with number one. What would your what would your second choice be if it weren't number one? I'm interested in knowing what that would be. And while we're doing that, Charlie's going to tell you guys to join one of the things that we want you to join. Yes, please go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Sign up to be part of the live group so you can be part of the voting process. We don't accept mail-in ballots or any other kind of tomfoolery that happens <laughs> along the United States election process. We have a fair and balanced election process by typing in your numbers in the Discord group. So to be part of that, you have to sign up on goodmorningliberty.locals.com. If you're not already a Patreon member, we're moving people over. So please sign up, goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Pretty easy, goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Also, if you want to get into this uh, financial market game. Y'all get all the votes in. Okay. If you go to mastermytrades.com, see what all the hoopla is about. Uh, Nate has Nate has developed a strategy, and along with some other people in the class, we have a really cool tool that everybody can use now for Thinkorswim, which is a free trading software. Um, that And we, we have a strategy where you basically you take one trade a day, one trade a day, and now... My account's up over 55, maybe even 60%. I can't remember exactly. You just said 50% yesterday. I know. I made another, well, I made another 3% today. So yeah. I, yeah, like 53%. And that's compounding, by the way, every single day. Um, and, of course, sometimes you take losses, but the, the you win most of the time, which is why it's called a, a winning strategy. So, anyway, if you want to be a part of that, learn what's going on. The market keeps making new highs, and you're wondering, even if you don't necessarily want to trade, you should learn at least about finances and what's going on in the market. So sign up mastermytrades.com. You get 20% off the first two months with promo code save 20. That is correct. And save 20. The dumb bleep winner by default. We knew that it was going to be the vaccine mandate. And isn't it interesting? So just real quick here, we've talked a lot about private companies mandating vaccines. And we have been maybe some of the some of the few on the libertarian side that said, well, they're private companies, they can do that. And I know a lot of people disagree with that with us on that. And this shows exactly what we were uh, what we were looking for, which was the element of force over the top of it. And now strongly, strongly disagree with this. These are no longer for sure, no longer actions taken by private companies. These are going to be enforced by OSHA with harsh penalties. And so this, in my view, is an entirely different situation than we were in beforehand. And then the number two dumb leap, if it wasn't going to be the default, is number four, the white supremacy pyramid of greatness. And uh, 
hopefully you made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I know all of us did yeah. because there's something, literally it's a catch-all for everyone yeah. to be a white supremacist. So yeah. that's you, all. You have no other choice but to be a racist, so accept it. Yeah. Okay. And actually saying that you're not racist is one of the number one key factors to knowing that you're a racist. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So better check yourself. All right. All right. If you guys enjoyed today's show, which I know you did, then please hit that subscribe button, smash it if you feel like it. <laughs> And uh, share the show with a friend, with a friend, with the foe, and with the children. Again, we just we keep having new listeners, and so we really appreciate all that you all are doing. We get we gained two hundred new listeners since yesterday's episode. Nice, yeah, that's really good. So keep uh, keep doing your thing, people. We appreciate it. Leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you guys do all of those things, we'll be back again on Monday. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty tomorrow morning.